Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies that you can use to get the breakthrough you're looking for in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Nevada Gray. Joining me is my co-host, Chris Donahue. We're glad that you're joining us today. If you are enjoying our podcast, we invite you to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. Today's episode is sponsored by the Paleo Pharmacist in the Keto Course. Have you ever wanted to learn about the ketogenic diet and how to implement a properly formulated ketogenic diet into your lifestyle? The Keto Course includes instant 30-day access to a one-hour, one-on-one consultation, a month of unlimited email support, over 75 amazing videos, and printable 14-day meal plans, along with grocery lists that will speed up your weight loss and help break stalls. To learn more, see our show notes. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information is provided for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your own personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet and fitness. Christine Tremp is a writer, speaker, joy seeker, and weight loss warrior. She successfully lost 100 plus pounds in what she calls her joyful journey of transformation, body, mind, heart, and soul. After decades of failure, she discovered the key to her weight loss success by following a ketogenic and intermittent fasting lifestyle. Now her life's passion is to inspire, motivate, and encourage others to pursue their best healthy life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Her transformation story and social media links can be found in today's show notes. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Christine Tremp, how are you today? Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Nevada. It's so great to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for coming on. I've been following your journey on Twitter for quite some time. It's very inspiring. You've lost 100 pounds and you've had quite a journey. So for those of our listeners that may not be familiar with you, can you share a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure, I would be so happy to. I am Christine Tremp, and some people might know me from um, my lifestyle blog over at joyfulketolife.com. I guess I'll just start back with my history, going back to about my middle school, late elementary school, middle school years. I started to develop um, some chubbiness and insecurities surrounding that, um, some no health issues at the time because I was still a kid and I was still pretty active at the time riding bikes and playing softball, things like that. But uh, I had a few years of, you know, not struggling with my weight through high school. I remember when I left high school, I weighed 119 pounds, which seemed fairly healthy at the time. But then when I went away to college, I'm sure, um, a lot of your listeners are used to, or have heard the term, the freshman 15, I was eating in the 
school cafeteria and I came home with the freshman 40 and I came home a very different person. And of course, when I look back, I was eating a diet um, full of carbohydrates for the most part, you know, filling up, just grabbing the easy stuff, um, the enticing stuff. In hindsight, the stuff I was becoming addicted to. So I left college and I did marry my my college sweetheart. And by the time we got married a year after we graduated from college, I was weighing in my 160s. And then my weight just kept going up year after year after year. And I tried for the life of me. I tried over and over again for three decades. I tried to lose this weight. I did medical weight loss clinic. I did a weight loss protein shake diet for nine months. I only drank protein shakes, no solid food. And I did have some success at weight loss with that. But when they put me back into maintenance and they put me back on, um, you know, tried to put me back into regular eating, I started eating bread, pasta, potatoes, whole grain, whole wheat, you know, I tried to stick with the plan, but as soon as I stopped drinking those protein shakes, the weight just started coming back on. And I was so confused and so defeated. And that program cost me a lot of money too. So I wasn't very happy about that. But that happened when I was 40. And between my 40s and 50s, uh, I, well, between 40 and 49, I continued to gain weight. And by 2015, I was, um, 49, 48 years old, and I weighed 230 pounds, which is the most I've ever weighed in my life, and more than when I had my two pregnancies, and I was just hopeless. At that point, I was counting calories and going to the gym and exercising, doing circuit training, and I would lose 10 pounds, and I would gain five, and I would lose eight pounds, and then I would gained six. And it was just so frustrating, even staying away, abstaining from desserts, you know, choosing my points and my calories as best I could. Um, and I just couldn't figure it out. Um, even when I was in that hospital program, the doctors had told me that I had metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance. And because of my guilt and my shame, and facing doctors, you know, when I would go to the doctors, I never wanted to do that because I knew it was going to be the same story every time. You need to eat less and move more. Well, I feel like I was doing that for decades. And so I got to the hopeless point and um, I just, I, I didn't understand what was going on. No one explained to me anything about insulin resistance or what insulin was doing in my body. And it took to the point of uh, you know, life happening um, right before my eyes. So many disappointments. I went to Rocky Mountain National Park with my husband for our 25th anniversary, and he was so excited about climbing up to a lake um, at the Bear Lake Path area. And I started going up the path with him, and I just couldn't make it. And I had to sit on the side of that path, uh, sat on a stump with tears in my eyes, and I just knew that something had to change. So came home from that trip, and the first thing I did was I set an appointment with a sleep doctor because I was sleeping horribly, and I had the worst sleep apnea, which I knew but was not diagnosed with at the time, but I was keeping my husband up at night, the poor guy. So 
that mountaintop experience, I shouldn't say mountaintop because I never made it to the mountaintop, <laughs> but that mountain experience is the key to my story of taking back control. And I came home, uh, set up a doctor's appointment. I was diagnosed with sleep apnea. And then uh, some of the other things that started happening right around the same time too, which was, I don't think was a coincidence. I think that everything was lining up, you know, in order for me to really take back control of my life because as things started piling up, I got more concerned, but I had the sleep apnea, I had um, painful ovarian cyst. And during the ultrasounds for the ovarian cyst, I, it was found that I had fatty liver disease which I knew very little about. Um, all throughout those decades of my life, I suffered from migraines and headaches, from joint inflammation and pain, um, chronic exhaustion. I never wanted to do anything. Um, and then, of course, insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome. I was pre-diabetic pre and morbidly obese. And imagine all of that piling up uh, and I just had to do something. Again, I was approaching 50 years old and I don't know if it's me, but I love numbers and approaching another decade is just, it really makes you stop and take pause of your life. So that's how I got to this point in my journey where I had to make some changes. Absolutely. And you're speaking the language of millions of women. I can intimately relate to gaining weight in college. In fact, I graduated pharmacy school, almost a hundred pounds overweight, oh, wow. following yeah. what I thought was insider information. I was following all the guidelines. I was killing myself at the gym, mm -hmm. would go to the doctor's office and obesity was put in my chart. I was pre-diabetic and here I am killing myself. I'm trying every diet, just like what you were doing. And nothing was working. And then finally, you just hit a, a critical mass and you realize you have to make changes. Um, that for me was honestly almost dying from an allergic reaction because I was trying to do what I was supposed to do and struggling with food allergies and, and everything else. Oh, wow. But, but that critical mass, when you're approaching a new decade, at that time, I was uh, approaching my 30s. Um, mm -hmm. Now I'm in my 40s you're approaching your 50s and you reach that point that moment where where something has to change so tell us about that moment where that change happened and what did you do for that change well no pun intended when you said critical mass because i had reached critical mass at that point 230 pounds i'm only five foot one inches tall so that is a lot of extra weight to carry a lot of extra weight i'm putting on my bones and my joints anyhow so yeah the mountain story was the turning point that was my absolute turning point because i felt like such a letdown and disappointment to my husband and i wanted to do better and around the same time, my daughter also was starting nursing school. And I started thinking that I did not want her to have to take care of her mom as a very overweight and obese, you know, patient. I didn't want to put her through that. So she's also one of the major reasons why I wanted to take back control of my health. Uh, so what I did, once I found out I had fatty liver disease, I started researching fatty liver and I started down a rabbit hole of learning about my hormones. 
And I discovered that my liver was fat because of all the carbohydrates and sugar I was eating and that my body, my insulin had to be out of whack. At that time, I had never had it tested before. No doctor ever tested my insulin. I went back in my hospital charts just to see and nothing was even in there from that hospital program I was in. But so I went down that rabbit hole and I, I knew, I knew that excess sugar, excess carbohydrates in my diet were what was happening to my liver. And so I wanted to immediately make a change because the sleep apnea was managed with a CPAP machine, which was a godsend because that actually helped me sleep better and give me more energy to approach these next steps that I, that I took, uh, the painful ovarian cyst, um, we were watching those. I was going to have a repeat ultrasound. So those were, you know, still a concern too. But my biggest concern was the fatty liver because as soon as I read about it, you know, possibly turning into cirrhosis of the liver, that that scared me. That scared me straight. Uh, so I immediately decided that, well, it took me a couple months of, I shouldn't say immediately because it took me some months of research and to accept the fact that I needed to quit sugar. <laughs> And so on March 10th of 2016, I decided to take that first step of quitting sugar. And that morning I posted on Facebook and I said, I'm giving up coffee. Wish me luck. And the reason I wanted to give up coffee was because I was drinking mostly flavored cream with a little bit of coffee. And of course, you know, flavored cream is pure sugar. So flavored cream is what I credit for my first step in quitting sugar. And I decided that every few days I was going to pick something new to give up. So I quit the creamer. A couple days later, I determined that at the time I worked in an office and I determined that I wasn't going to grab any Hershey Kisses as I was walking by my friend's desk. A couple days later, I'm going to swear off desserts. If somebody's having a birthday in the office, I'm not eating the piece of cake. A couple days later, and so on and so on and so on, I just kept building on my, um, I kept building on my plan and I started finding, um, results like, uh, almost, well, within about four weeks after starting to let, uh, wean myself off of all that sugar, I stopped having daily headaches and headaches were part of my life. I, I lived off of Excedrin and Excedrin PM. So, <laughs> um, so I started finding success and I thought this is, you know, I can do this. You know, I can live without sugar because the cravings started going away about the four week mark as well. And then I started reading labels and decided that I was not going to eat any food that was processed in a factory. Um, so I was only going to start eating real food. And so I started shopping the perimeter of the grocery store. Um, and, but the one thing that I was still including in my diet in the perimeter of the grocery store was potatoes and whole wheat breads. And um, I was still eating whole wheat pasta because my family loved, loved pasta. But so yeah, that's how I got my start. And I, I, I call it my quitting sugar journey um, from March through January. I only lost 18 pounds. And so that's at 230 pounds, that was very frustrating. I was like, what is going on? I just sacrificed all of this part of the normal human diet, you know, and I couldn't figure it out. And so I was talking, I was having lunch 
with a friend on January. I know the date because it changed my life. This lunch with my friend, having lunch with her on January 13, 2017, and I was complaining to her about hormones. She's really into the naturopath stuff and hormones and everything, so she knew what I was talking about, and we could have this conversation. And she said, hey, have you ever heard of Dr. Fung? And I said, no, who's Dr. Fung? And she said, well, you should really check him out. He talks about fasting. And I'm like, fasting? What are you talking about? <laughs> I can't I don't know how fasting could help weight loss because the only thing I knew about fasting was what we did in my church. And oftentimes we would have days of fasting and prayer. And at that time I would think those people are, how can they do that? How can they like not eat for 24 hours or 48 hours or longer, whatever. So, but she really piqued my curiosity. And that night after work, I got home and I Googled Dr. Fung and hormones because that's what we were talking about. And the top hit that I landed on was the Diet Doctor website and the little five-minute, three to five-minute video clips that Dr. Fung has on there explaining what is fasting. And not only did he explain what is fasting, but he explained in those videos what was happening with my blood sugar and my insulin and how every time I ate, carbohydrates, which at the time I was still eating bread, pasta, and potato. Uh, every time I ate those, I was still spiking my insulin. And that was what was causing me to not be as successful as I wanted to be in my weight loss journey at that time. I mean, I thought as soon as I quit sugar, the weight should have just, you know, melted off. But I had a real education when I figured out that potatoes and bread are loaded with carbohydrates, which obviously convert to sugar, and we're still messing up my hormones. So that's how I got to the point where I discovered the intermittent fasting and the keto lifestyle, and I consider that uh, a divine intervention because I would never have been able to do that, like one day learn about keto and the next day implement it. I'm the type of person that I needed to continue to build on my success of quitting sugar. And so the timing was perfect. I always think that the timing of all of this is just a miracle. Um, Dr. Fung and the Diet Doctor website, literally the education that I got on there changed my life for the better. As soon as I started eating, I took up the two-week challenge that first day and the weight just started melting off. Within the first week, I lost 10 pounds and I was sold. I was like, I, I can do this two-week challenge and then I'm going to keep going because this is obviously, I learned about, you know, what potatoes and pasta and bread were doing to my body. And I, it, it was just, yeah, because I had already quit sugar, I didn't get the keto flu. So it was, it was very, I hate to say it was easy because this has been really hard work you know, a lot of sacrifice and a lot of hard work, but it was the easiest way of eating that I've ever stumbled across because I never had the cravings. I was fully satiated. Um, I was satisfied. I had so much energy. I was bouncing off the walls and I had my husband wondering what in the world was going on. <laughs> so that's how I got to the point where I, um, discovered my lifesaver in the keto lifesaver in the keto lifestyle yes once you tie all that together I know Dr. Jason Fung was critical in my own journey and in a lot of people's journeys in mm -hmm. connecting insulin resistance yes. to their obesity and understanding I'm doing all of this I'm following all this 
you know, diet information that's supposed to be the best information out there rooted in science. I'm going to the gym for hours a day and yes. I'm not dropping any weight and I'm working so hard and I'm not getting a return on my investment. And Dr. Jason Fung, I will link his books in the show notes for everybody tied together the role of insulin resistance in obesity and diabetes for a lot of people. And he also speaks of intermittent fasting, which yes. is a great tool for people and has provided a lot of education that is based in science and what he is seeing also um, in his clinic and just a naturally gifted teacher. So with that being said, I love how you talked about how you were making sacrifices and you weren't getting a return on your investment. And once you found the tools that you needed regarding in insulin resistance and understanding that, you were able to empower yourself. Mm -hmm. And from there, you really built upon your success. And yeah. you have five strategies that yes. you used. And I love these strategies. And I'm just wondering if you can share them with our listeners today, because I know that they'll get a lot of value out of them too. Yeah, well, the first one touches back to what you said about how I dug in and I learned and you learned from Dr. Fung um, what insulin was doing in our body. And so the number one thing that I like to encourage people when they reach out to me for help is they have to learn the science and apply the science to their own life situation. And then that's when they're going to see results. Um, I... I, it's a passion of my heart to encourage people and, and to inspire people and help people to the best of my ability and my time limitations. Uh, you know, I, I still work full time and I'm trying to also, you know, do the side stuff to help people. But I, I want people to, I don't want to be a handholder. Like I can't be with you every moment of the day and tell you what to put in your mouth and not, what not to put in your mouth. And, you know, some people need that, um, that I'm not the person for them for that. But what I really, really encourage is they have to spend the time learning what's going to make the change for their health. And it doesn't necessarily have to be keto um, or intermittent fasting, but there is some whole healthy lifestyle out there for them that's going to work if they're more comfortable with paleo, for example, or carnivore. Whatever's going to work. There's tons of science um, out there right now. I think that you know our community is really getting the message out, and that's that's awesome. Uh, so that's the first thing I encourage is they have to learn, and I'm here to be their biggest cheerleader and to encourage them. But learn, yeah, when you learn the science and apply the science, you're gonna your life is going to change for sure. And then my number two is I've always been a big goal setter for myself, even when I was losing weight and gaining weight and losing weight and gaining weight all those years, I always kept charts and, you know, tried to keep track of everything. And, um, you can't go anywhere if you don't have a plan, you know, you, especially when it comes to, a, a massive undertaking, like I had to take, um, I had to have some goals in mind because like I said earlier, I built on those successes. Like they excited me, you know, and it's not all about the scale either. You know, you could have little goals like, well, this was a pretty big goal of mine, but I wanted to climb a mountain. You know, that was a goal of mine because I failed to do that with my husband. Um, so I set goals and um, 
I was able to, by the way, I was able to climb a mountain. Uh, after I lost my weight, I, I booked a trip to Ireland with my daughter as our last little mother-daughter trip before she got married. And we went to Ireland and I climbed to the summit of a mountain in the Wicklow Mountains. And I've never done anything in, like that in my life. So it was great sense of, you know, triumph and victory. But so, yeah, I set that goal from the very beginning. Like, I want to travel comfortably with my family. I want to fit in an airplane seat. I want to be able to get out of the car and, you know, climb a hill, climb a mountain. So setting goals is a huge thing that I like to encourage. Um, and then the other thing I love to encourage people in number three is to just simply don't eat. <laughs> and that's where the fasting comes in. And I know people, when I tell them that don't eat, they look at me, you know, like big eyes and I'm like, no, really don't eat. And from my experience, when I was following, for example, the American Diabetic Association has a pre-diabetes program called the Diabetes Prevention Program. I was in that and I was eating what they told me to eat. I was eating five meals a day. I was eating breakfast of oatmeal and blueberries every morning. I have never, ever woken up hungry in my life. My mom used to really struggle with trying to get me to eat breakfast before I left for school. And I would always, you know, balk at her and be like, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. And the reason I didn't want to eat is because when I ate in the morning, my blood sugar would crash around 10 o'clock. And then I would always feel sick at school. And you can't eat at 10 o'clock in the morning at school. And so we, she finally relented and let me, you know, stop eating fine to go to lunch. But now I'm following all these diet programs and they're telling you five meals a day, um, you know, and you have to, breakfast is the mo most important meal of the day. Well, I, in my journey, I've discovered that breakfast is not the most important meal of the day because I'm not hungry at breakfast time. <laughs> so I don't eat at breakfast time. And mostly I practice the time restricted eating, which is a form of fasting. I don't eat for 18 hours a day. I eat in a six-hour window. I eat lunch around 11. I usually have dinner around 5. And then I, you know, I don't eat the rest of the time. And through my weight loss journey, I did do a lot of extended fasting too, which, you know, well, I could talk for a whole hour about that. But basically, I did try to do like some 36, 42-hour fasting, you know, quite often. And that was a very useful tool in my weight loss journey. And it taught me a lot about my emotional issues when it comes to hunger. Um, so that's uh, something that maybe we could talk about in the emotional issues before we wrap up. But so number three is don't, don't eat. Number four leads to, and that leads to number four, which is no snacking and no cheating. So when you establish this eating, this way of eating, this lifestyle, I'm only eating six hours a day. I'm not eating 18 hours a day. That, that doesn't um, work you know, if you're going to be snacking and things like that. And I don't want to snack at night um, because of what I learned about my insulin hormone. And plus, I wasn't hungry because I was eating fully satiating meals at dinner time. So I found myself for the first time in my life not wanting to sit in front of TV and snack all night long. And that was amazing sense of freedom. I mean, I felt like I really conquered that that battle of constant snacking and constantly having to put food in my mouth, constantly having to walk to the refrigerator. Um, and another thing I did is I didn't let myself set up cheat days 
because I know myself well enough to know that a cheat day would turn into a cheat week, could possibly turn into a cheat month. And then I'm, you know, just stuck in my own misery again, you know. So, so no snacking and no cheating was number four. And then the fifth thing I like to um, tell people, it, it relates a little bit to the no cheating is you have to know your limits and set your boundaries when it comes to your personal choices. Uh, we encounter, of course, when you're on a weight loss journey of any kind, um, and people don't do this intentionally, but you could be set up for sabotage because, you know, grandma's going to say, hey, let's, I made this pie for Thanksgiving. You have to have a piece. It's like, no, grandma, I don't eat sugar anymore. What do you mean you don't eat sugar? You know, you know what I'm talking about. There are people, you know, and it's your grandma. You don't want to break her heart, but um, you have to know your limits. And for me, it was I, since I had quit sugar before I even found keto and the cravings completely went away for anything sugar like that, it wasn't hard for me to say no thank you, you know, and you have to, that takes some some strength of character to be able to do that. And you have to, you know, really think about that before you go into social situations. How are you going to re- react? What what are your limits going to be? And, you know, maybe for you, it might be fine that if you're going to a Mexican dinner with friends that you're going to have some chips and salsa for that one night and you're not going to be bothered by it. Because um, I set a decision similar to that when my daughter got married last December. I paid a lot of money for her wedding cake. And I'm like, everybody was raving about this company's wedding cakes, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a piece of wedding cake. <laughs> I'm just going to do it because Dr. Fung even says, eat the cake. Well, he uses an expletive in there, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> he says, eat the blank cake. <laughs> so I'm like, I, you know, I'm a follow, I'm a Fungster. I love, you know, Dr. Fung. I think he's, you know, he's got some great advice out there. So I'm like, I'm going to eat some of that wedding cake. And I did. And it was super sweet, but it was you know, I was glad I did it um, because I what I learned from that was that I could eat the cake at my daughter's wedding, but I didn't need to eat all the leftover cake, you know, the whole week after that. So um, I set myself up knowing that I had the strength to be able to eat one piece of cake and, and leave it at that for the time being. So, so those are my five tips. Learn, apply, change your life, um, plan and set goals. Don't eat, which is your fasting routine. No snacking, no cheating, and set your boundaries and know your limits. I think that's so important to be able to set yourself up for success. Is And one of the things I admire about you is that you have that self-awareness where you know where you need to set those boundaries. And also kind of analyzing the question, why did I choose food for comfort? Why yeah. why was food my comforter over other yeah. things in life? And what what's missing in my life? How how am I misaligned from my purpose that this is what I'm going, you know, to is food. And I think one of the most important aspects of a journey is the spiritual processing of the yeah. journey. And you've done such a great job in documenting that for you. And I was just wondering if you could speak to that for our listeners. Yeah, great. Well, 
first, my first thought about that is I'd like to say, um, goes back to learning the science. And I believe that, you know, God created us uh, uniquely human with unique needs, with a unique formula in the way our bodies work. And so for me, it was so eye-opening to learn that there was a way ancestrally that my ancestors ate that was healthy for them that I could implement. And for me, that felt, felt like such a gift of his provision. Like, yes, here's whole healthy feel, foods that I believe that he created for me to eat. So I trusted um, in the science, you know, and I applied the science and it just led to such an understanding. And I, and that's why I think that this journey has been so amazing. I call it my joyful journey, uh, because it's been like, you can implement the physical and the emotional and the spiritual aspects of your life. And we are created as whole beings. I believe that we're all created, you know, body, mind, heart, and we all have a soul. And we all have those longings and those cravings in our life. And for me, I didn't trust. Um, I didn't have enough stability in my my faith as I was going through these decades. I was raised in a Christian home, and I had a firm foundation of faith. I just didn't apply it to my life, at, you know, in in a deeper, meaningful way until I went through this journey. And so that's why I like to talk about joy so much, you know, because that's what I truly, uh, that is the biggest non-scale victory in my life is that I finally understand the joy aspect of living. And that's all part of the spiritual, um, I call it my spiritual reconciliation to, um, you know, my faith and my trust um, and just knowing that how it all intertwines, you know, and a lot of people uh, focus on the physical aspect of weight loss. And then when they, they don't succeed, they get disappointed and they berate themselves and they, they feel worthless and they feel shame and they feel guilt. And trust me, I felt a lot of those things over the decades when I was trying to lose weight. And it wasn't really until I started connecting the dots of, um, for me, I trust that my faith journey, I trust that it's all for a purpose and it's all for a reason. And I just lived in my hopelessness and despair for so many years that once the light started shining through, I, I just grasped onto it and I didn't let go. And so that's why I'm very passionate about talking about the whole body healing, um, but the healthy, holy living is what I'm, you know, starting to call it. Uh, so, yeah, I, does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It, it does make sense because when you reach that critical mass, for me, I was, you know, personally 100 pounds overweight. And then I had a yeah. spinal cord injury. And yeah. you get to asking yourself some serious life questions. Mm -hmm. uh, why is this happening to me? What is this meant to teach me? What is my purpose here in life? Yeah. And then almost liberating yourself to have an experienced joy in the journey, even though you may be experiencing your greatest adversity. Because I, I've personally found that when you have your greatest adversity, it precedes your miracle. Yes. And yeah. 
the Course in Miracles states, if a miracles aren't happening, something is wrong. Um, that our natural state is, is to be in joy. And a lot of times we deny ourselves with that. We find comfort in other things versus trusting our natural giftings and our purpose and creating that aligned action to have that life. And what are some of your tips for our listeners that may be at that point right now where they're asking themselves those questions and it's, their turning point. What are some of the things uh, that you did to get through that, to quiet your mind, to be able to hear your inner voice and that divine guidance? Yeah. One thing, well, the, the, the most important thing I do every day is something that I was craving all those decades. And I, I had absolutely no idea what I was craving. I was craving all the wrong things like food and other worldly items. But what I was really craving, which finally was revealed to me, um, was the time that I spend every morning studying God's word and applying um, his lessons to my life. And even even the hard stuff in his word has taught me so much. You know, I've, I've actually almost finished reading through the whole Bible. Um, I'll be done December 31st. I'm doing a reading through the Bible plan this year. But, you know, reading through some of those Old Testament chapters, that's hard. It's like hard work and a, a lot to process. But the one thing that I learned through all of it is that that God is in control. And I love what you said about, you know, the deep, the deep thinking, like we have to reflect on where we're coming from, where we've been, why we were there. And one of the words that's stuck in my mind right now um, is the word pondering, because pondering is a deep and personal and soul reflection. And I'm in the book of Luke this month. I'm reading down a chapter. I'm counting down till Christmas through a chapter in Luke each day. Um, So December 1st was Luke one, and there's 24 days until Christmas, 24 chapters in Luke. But anyhow, one of the things, you know, when Mary's reflecting on the situation she finds herself in, uh, being the virgin mother of the son of God. And as she watched him grow, um, she was pondering all these things in her heart, you know, and, and I'm a mom, I have two kids. So I get that, that I get that sense of pondering that she had. So I'm just grasping onto that. And through this gospel of Luke journey, this, that I'm taking this month, it's just helping me even process more about this journey. I mean, even though I've been in the word every day now, pretty much since the beginning of my healing journey, um, you know, looking at Luke again for the third year in a row, it's just, you, you just get so much out of it. And so that is that is where I'm at every single morning, first thing. And that's what helps me process all of this. That's what sets me up for the day to go out and, you know, spread joy, to be kind to people, um, to serve people, to meet them where they're at, to have a better level of understanding. I used to be so short tempered with people and, you know, especially with the public and, but I, oh, I'm so like, I'm so sorry for all this and all those cashiers I might've been crabby with, but now I can't, I could never see myself being, you know, upset or short tempered with anybody because the joy just overflows. And I really think that joy is contagious and um, that, so now I feel like that's my calling. I'm just, uh, have to spread this joy 
and give people hope. I know there's a lot of people out there that feel hopeless, especially when it comes to their health. Um, I healed so many chronic health issues, you know, first being obesity and reversing my sleep apnea and my liver is no longer fatty, fatty, um, which was diagnosed uh, again, or, you know, I had another ultrasound, so they found that my, I no longer had fatty liver disease. I, I no longer have migraines and headaches. Um, and I have tremendous amounts of energy, which, you know, I never had in the past. So, uh, yeah, the physical restoration has been amazing. And the emotional um, journey has been wonderful. Uh, my mind has been renewed. And, of course, you know, my redeemed spiritual walk has been the best part of it. Um, choosing joy every day is, like you said, that's where we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live in joy. And, you know, I could see why I was so not a happy person before because I, I didn't feel good. I felt horrible. And if when you're feeling horrible, that's what's spilling out of you, you know. So, so I'm just very grateful for this joyful journey of healing. And our emotions truly are our navigation system because if we're feeling negative emotion versus positive, that's a sign that something is wrong, that we're misaligned somewhere yes. in, in, in our purpose in life. And in my own faith journey during my own healing, one of the, the fundamental lessons I, I realized was uh, in, in reading the Bible because I, I read it because I was homebound I, and I had a lot of time on my hands. So I, I, I pulled it out one night when I was feeling frustrated and I realized, wow, this is just a collection of stories of imperfect people oh, trying yes. to make it loaded with life lessons that can be applicable whether you believe in God, spirit, universe, mm -hmm. uh, whether you even, even if you are a, a non-believer, there are fundamental life lessons in this book. And that's yeah. what I real that's what I realized. And I realized, wow, I, I've been an imperfect person various parts of my life. And I realized that every moment is a chance to choose again. You can choose yeah. again in the moment. You don't have to wait until New Year's Day, 2021. Right. You don't have to right. wait till Monday. You yeah. can choose again. You can choose again in that moment. You can take a bite of that cake. And you can choose again in the next moment not to take another bite. That's that to me was one of the most powerful lessons yeah. of the journey. And I'm so grateful today that you spoke about the spiritual aspect of of your journey because so many people have that aspect and it's not talked about enough. So I appreciate yeah. you bringing that on the podcast. Yeah. So what is next? What is next for you, Christine? What is what is 2021 hold in store for you? Oh, hopefully less isolation, that's for sure, because I've got some things I want to get done. Um, right now, like I mentioned, I'm doing a countdown to Christmas through the Gospel of Luke, and I'm actually doing that with my readers on my ministry blog uh, at christinetrimp.com. If you want to join us, it's not too late. Uh, but I have plans to help um, I would love to develop uh, a intimate group of people that need help and motivation in healthy and holy lifestyles. So that'll be announced very soon. And I'm also in the process of publishing my first book. Um, I'm working with a publisher 
And I have a name, I have a work in process name for it, but I don't want to share it yet. So it's, um, I just love it. I got, I have a really great uh, feedback on the title. So I think it's very captivating. Um, I also have a book coming out in February. I'm in a compilation book called She Writes for Him. And I wrote a story about my food addiction. So I'm in the addiction section and the chapter of my um the title of my chapter is called um, Finding Freedom from Formidable Food. And, and then I'm hoping to put this, uh, my blogging that I'm doing this month on the book of Luke, I will be putting that in book form for next year. Um, so yeah, a lot of exciting things on the horizon. Well, I'm very excited for you and I'm looking Thank forward you. to your books. Uh, for our listeners that may want to follow your blog or, or follow you on social media, where can they find you? Okay, I think you're going to put that stuff down in the show notes, right? Correct? Okay. And there's going to be a link down there for if anybody that wants to just, you know, quickly connect with me, they could grab a free resource that I put down there to help you set some goals. I listed out some of my uh, health issues and successes to just try to motivate you. So if you can click the link below. And then I'm also all of my social media links are on my websites and I have two websites. ChristineTrimp.com is my ministry site. And then joyfulketolife.com is my lifestyle blog. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back on once your book is released. And thank you so much for your time today, Christine. We appreciate it. Great. I just love this conversation. Thank you, Nevada. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast. We are now available on iHeart Podcast and all of your favorite podcast listening platforms. As always, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, send us an email. Link in the show notes.